Good evening, wherever you are, and thank you for joining the Just Like the Movies podcast for our 36th episode, Spectacular. We're, we have, we've gone from talking about arguably the greatest film ever made to 1993's Demolition Say it, Man. baby. <laughs> um, I never interrupt you, but it's Demolition Man, so fuck it. <laughs> So, I, if some of the, our more uh, rabbit-eared listeners might remember from an episode a while back, I don't even remember what specific movie we were talking about, but Johnny and I went on a little tangent about how uh, I, I like the movie Demolition Man, and Johnny said that Cliffhanger was a better film than Demolition Man. I said, I said something to the effect of, you're insane for having that opinion. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to revisit this movie. Also, like I said, I think we had one or two of our viewers uh, who, I should say listeners, because we don't have a visual component yet. But, um, you know, if I have my way, maybe never. But uh, we, uh, <laughs> but we, uh, you know, we, we wanted to do this movie to kind of honor a couple requests we had there. Um, and if you're ca- in case you're wondering where that all happened, that happened on our social media accounts, which would be on Twitter at Just the Movies. And also our Instagram account, just like the movies pod. So you could follow us there if you want to, I don't know, maybe make some suggestions about some stuff you might want to hear about in the future. We do read them. Um, we don't uh, always act on everything in what you would call a timely fashion, especially in the private sector. But we do we do notice them and we kind of make notes of them and, you know, kind of see if, if that would work for our particular brand or brand of programming or if it wouldn't or if they're movies that Johnny and I have a kind of a connection with or they don't. But I wanted to hand it over to you, man, because we did say, you know, you did make the point that you made it again that I, I you thought I liked this movie more than you and you said you'd, it had been a quite a long time since you'd seen it. So why don't we just dive yeah. right into your impressions first? Yeah, so I'm just going to get at, at well, first of all, real quick, you know, you'd plug the social media stuff. So let me just say thanks to everybody who's uh, been subscribing and listening on the podcast apps. Uh, it looks like most of our listeners like Spotify and Apple. Um, but wherever you listen to podcasts, thanks for, for listening to us. Obviously, our show is free. We come at you uh, roughly twice a month, every other week. And uh, just spread the word. You know, you know, people like movies, share a link with them. Say, check out Mike and Johnny. They're style of talking about these movies we all grew up with uh according to our demographic anyway um <laughs> but I'll, I'll say this also you know the godfather got a big re- uh response one of our better uh out of the gate anyway uh episode tallies uh in almost a year so thanks to everybody who checked that out and if if for whatever reason that episode brought you to us thanks for sticking around because this is going to be a different brand of podcast that's for sure <laughs> today um but mike here's my admission Oh, okay. I I think where I went wrong with Demolition Man back in the day is I think when I was I had to have been a teenager and when I watched it, I think I tried to watch it as though it was a serious action movie. I didn't watch it the way it should be watched with which is uh, you know, tongue in cheek and sort of like almost like it, it makes fun of itself a bit, it's self-realized, that sort of way. Uh and now that I've and so so this is what I did. I got High as all hell on weed. <laughs> I thought you were just making a joke about like juicing, you know, to get the spirit of uh, Sylvester Stallone. So I texted wonder. Mike and said I was helped up by some PEDs. <laughs> so by that, I mean not really PEDs, but yeah, I got high as all fuck. And I sat and watched Demolition Man. And 
You're 100% right. It is a much better movie than Cliffhanger. <laughs> yes. Um, I was right I'm once. <laughs> I'm still gonna slightly give from a from a just a character perspective. I think John Lithgow was maybe a better uh, fleshed out villain, but in terms of the type of movie this is, Snipes was awesome as Phoenix. But and, and what did it for me too? I, I, it might have been like halfway through the movie. All of a sudden, I, I go, "Is that fucking Dan Cortez?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm high as all hell. I'm like, "That's Tony." It's fucking rock and jock softball MTV. Dude, I saw him and I was like, yo, singing the Jolly Green Giant theme song. And I'm like, man, I wonder where I get my hands on old episodes of Sandblast. Like, I'm really in the mood to watch that. You remember that show? <laughs> right. Fucking yes. American Gladiators on the beach with that fucking yeah. pneumatic Summer airlift Sanders. thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you better step off. <laughs> like, oh my God. So once I saw Dan Cortez, I gave myself to the movie because I was just like I can't not like this this is all this movie wants to do is treat me with nostalgia without realizing it was going to be nostalgic at the time uh, so it, it's very pure in that sense because it was made in 1993 but it watches as though it's a movie made in 2022 th- that was supposed to be made in 1993 if that makes any sense it, you can keep up with me well maybe if I had a couple edibles I would totally be able to come follow that train totally, of thought man. But no, no, it totally makes sense because I was going to say something similar and I was actually going to kind of hold that discussion till the end. I mean, we don't have to, but like it was just something I had in mind for, you know, one of the reasons I have such a soft spot for this movie is because it's one of those movies that was made almost 30 years ago that's t- that's turning out to be oddly prescient about what's going on right now. Um, not in every respect, yeah. but I mean, if you look at some of just the random things of the movie, like they have automatic, they have self-driving cars, they they have voice commands, they have, uh, and then of course there's the whole kind of thought police thing, but that's not really all that original. I mean, that's kind of a recurring theme in any dystopian, futuristic type of thing. I mean, the, this movie, you can, people who read A Brave New World or 1984 probably catch the references to that. I mean, this movie was heavily influenced by A Brave New World, which somehow I made right. it made it through high school and college without having to read. And I never read on my own. Uh, which, And I did read 1984 until a long, like, until probably about 10 years ago. A little more than that, actually. Wow. I actually got it as a gift, and I, I was like, wow, how did I you know, miss out on such an influential you know, book? But, uh, yeah, I mean this movie. And, and, go ahead. Who needs to be in, who needs to be inspired by the narrative of 1984 more than a, a jolly ass like yourself, Mike? <laughs> so I'm glad you got your hands on that paperback. Oh, <laughs> I asked Mike before the podcast. I'm like, "How's it going, man?" You're like, "That's ah, fine." <laughs> I'm like, "I don't think you've ever told me like, dude, I'm fucking great." <laughs> I know, man. I just I just don't get too high or too low, I guess. Or yeah. just- Mostly low. Mellow yellow. Speaking of mellow yellow, let's just get this one out of the way. Which version did you watch? Oh, and you know what I'm talking about. Oh man, yeah, because you know the the whole Taco Bell thing was such a <laughs> prominent thing, and like we had a few people mention it on Twitter and stuff like that. You know, I I have access, I think, like you, to a private movie repository to kind of fill the gaps that our streaming service subscriptions do not, and. I turn this thing on and all of a sudden they're talking about Pizza Hut and there's pe- and it was like making me doubt my reality like it was like it was like a whole like Mandela effect thing I can't yeah, even, I can't even right. imagine the effect it was having on you if you were like under the effect of a psychotropic substance I just wanted to, 
I wanted some uh, stuffed crust. <laughs> stuffed crust. I'm, I, that, that's like something's always good. But uh, so, what about you? Did you have the same problem? Um, yeah. So I I watched uh, I guess the international version, and, and I guess the the reason is because Taco Bell wasn't around in Europe or, or wherever. Yeah. So they they flipped the script to Pizza Hut, and the funniest thing about it though is when they finally do go to Taco Bell at the request of the governor or whatever the hell he's called. Um, like I give a shit what the guy's fucking title was. <laughs> Uh, it, you know they replaced the logo like you say it says Pizza Hut but then the valets or whatever those guys are are still dressed in Taco Bell colors and they look like uh, bullfighters or whatever <laughs> so it's like they didn't change the guys who are clearly Taco Bell and whatever those plates were were definitely not pizza it was you know no, no, the, the plates were, the food was the same it was the same yeah, food, but like no, that's what I'm saying though. But they're supposed to they're supposed to be convincing us that it's Pizza Hut. Oh, you know, yeah. Um, so it, it's it that whole thing was pretty funny to me. But seeing the guys in the in the little like stereotypical Mexican outfits in the classic Taco Bell purple, yellow, and and teal colors, uh, and then a Pizza Hut sign outside, just it was just so funny. And seeing seeing like this is another thing, seeing them. Like and they say Taco Bell a lot in the movie, <laughs> yeah. so all the replacements of Pizza Hut in it, it's just so funny because it's like clearly not matching up, and it got me to thinking, Mike. That means somewhere in you know 1993, they placed a call to Stallone. They're like, Sly, we got bad news. You thought you wrapped on Demolition Man? Got to get you in the ADR studio to fire off some Pizza Huts. <laughs> you got to say Pizza so he- Hut like 70 times. He's like, what? <clears throat> Really? <laughs> uh, pizza. Pizza. Yeah, they had to get Sandy Bullock back in there. They had to get a yeah. uh, couple, of the, or, or at least people who sounded like them. But pro- pro- so, Go ahead. Right, that's a good point. That's a good point. You're right, because, yeah, I'm friends with a voice actor who um, does Star Wars stuff. Uh, his name is Steven Stanton, and he, he has you know done a lot of uh, ADR for people like Robert Downey Jr. and, and actors who... Uh, either don't want to or they contractually are, are already out of their commitments and that sort of stuff and they go in and, and do that but for the sake of this Stallone did it he was in a booth and he was probably shirtless oiled up <laughs> but, he, but he had by. weightlifting gloves on he so, had weightlifting so gloves his forearms on. He, would really pop <laughs> and he had that thing from over the top that he pulls in the truck <laughs> to work on his arm strength just his throwing arm though his, his arm wrestling arm but uh, just picturing him just being like Pizza. <laughs> They're like, all right, Sly, let's dial that one back a little bit. Well, you hadn't, and you Pizza. like not to put too fine a point on it, but you hadn't seen the movie a lot. Like, I saw this movie a, like a, like scores of times when I was younger, and it was like watching it and for the first time and seeing all the Taco Bell references replaced with Pizza Hut was really bizarre, and it was like making me think <laughs> that I had been imagining it all along. Like, my, yeah. my brothers and I always talk about, because we watched so many movies growing up, and sometimes it'd be late at night, and sometimes it'd be, like, we, you know, they'd be movies that we, you know, back then there was no digital guides, there was nothing, so you would watch, like, some movie would pop on, and you'd have no idea what it was, and you'd never be able to find out. You'd just have to watch it and kind of, so my, my one brother and I are convinced that when we were kids, we saw this one movie where the ending was just this there's a bad guy and he's like don't shoot me don't shoot me and then the good guy just fucking shoots him and then there's some other guy and he just goes why'd you shoot him and he just goes b 
because. And he walks off. And there's, like, dramatic <laughs> score playing and the credits start rolling. But, like, in this age of YouTube, we haven't been able to track that down. And I think a movie like that, if there was actually a movie that had an ending like that, one of those compilations of, like, the cheesiest fight scenes or anything like that, like, why everybody knows about the movie Trolls 2 or like, things like that, like, one of those, or and Samurai Cop, like, those people would have found that if that existed. So that's like it, it like took me to that place where I'm like, oh my god, am I like having this shared delusion again that I thought this was all Taco Bell? And then when I was like, you know, reading over it, it was oh, for the European version back then, Taco Bell had almost no presence in that market, so they changed it to Pizza Hut. But I can't Which imagine is, that's the same that's the same case today. How is yeah, I, no way. And also, well, you know what's funny about that though? All the Pizza Huts around me are gone. Yeah. Um, so, so, but Taco Bell's everywhere. So it's it's the Demolition Man got history wrong or the future wrong. Well, in the and, Europe- and what's so funny, there, there's a Taco Bell near where I used to live uh, in Danbury, and uh, across the street from it was a Pizza Hut, and that got turned into a Dunkin' Donuts. But you know how like Pizza Huts had their own distinct building shape. Yeah. So it looks like a Pizza Hut, but it's a Dunkin' Donuts, and the Taco Bell still there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, I don't. Th- maybe they didn't get it wrong. They just got it wrong for the European market. You know, it's like all the concessions that that these Disney movies are trying to make for the Chinese market today. Like, you know, not putting black people on their posters. Yeah. Well, what I mean is that's true. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. Um, but uh, I, what I mean is like Demolition Man is supposed to be like taking place in the future from 1996, and you know, we're 12 years from when the movie's supposed to take place. And uh, in our reality, we have Taco. We have Taco Bell's. No Pizza Hut, uh, so the the U.S. version, I guess, is correct, but not the uh, European yeah. version. But anyway, it was originally supposed um, to be Burger King in the script. Oh, is that right? Yeah, but the the writer, um, the writing on this is really convoluted. It's it's like this one guy wrote the script and he had this one idea for it, and then they brought in uh, Daniel Waters who. Was, I, I don't know if he was most famous, but they, they kept... T- like It was like he wrote Heathers. They kept saying he wrote Heathers. That's what he was most known for probably at the time. And mm. he decided to use Taco Bell because it was kind of like, again, like a tongue-in-cheek joke because he thought it was like, of all the fast food restaurants, it was like the grossest and it had the, the worst advertising and all that stuff. But what I remember is that Taco Bell kind of like... They had a whole cross promotion cross marketing gimmick going on with commercials and drinks and like the you know the drink cups and all that stuff so i i definitely remember that from when the movie came out i didn't see it in the theater i did see it shortly after its home video release um but uh, yeah I remember all that stuff going on at the same time i mean mo- yeah movies back then definitely got uh it seemed like anyway it was maybe more important to do stuff like that because the internet wasn't really around where now today you don't have to rely on that stuff as much but which which all that stuff was a lot of fun like we we talked about on our very first episode uh our batman 1989 podcast we talked about the batman return stuff and uh, all those things that they did for the fast food stuff and and we revisit that if any movie we encounter has those types of things in it i don't remember it for demolition man so i'm glad you brought that up um but that you know brings up one of the funniest bits in the movie, which is the the three seashells. Because if all you're eating is Taco Bell, you're you're not using those seashells for anything. <laughs> like, and especially like, did you did you look up what uh, uh, 
Stallone was told how you're supposed to use I, the C he, Yeah, dude, he should have just said, I don't know. He just should have said, he, like, he ne- he, like that, that explanation is so unsatisfactory and so gross at the same time. Are we going to say what it is? You can if you want. I'm not doing it. You brought it up. So you, I'm, you got to, I'm going to do it. You got to fuck this pig, man. You got to finish this. All right. So Stallone in 2006 interview. Um, so he had, 30, you know, he's probably out, he had 12 years to come up with this. 12, 13 he's years. He's probably, he's probably out promoting Rocky Balboa. Um, <laughs> and they, you know, someone asked them because they knew they would probably like be the only person to get headlines on this. Be like, all right. So what was, what was the deal with the seashells and demolition man? And he goes, you hold two seashells like chopsticks, pull gently and scrape what's left with the third. It's hard to say if such a technique would actually work in reality, which is to say nothing of how the shells themselves would be cleaned after usage. So he's saying like put the like put them up your ass and like pull the waste out he, like that way. I feel like he's saying oh, you, take this. This, <laughs> you take this. You take you take the seashells and you pull the shit out yeah it's oh dude as your wife would say i detest this (laughs) (laughs) and then uh you scrape with the third one that's fucking stellar Uh, who was the who wants to scrape their ass with a seashell (laughs) like this is supposed to be the sort of like the this like high society advanced you know uh culture of humanity and they're doing this dude i can so i guess that's the bit I, like and the, the worst part is like this was one of those things that came around because daniel waters who so extensively rewrote the original script for this that he got the primary writing credit for it he was like looking for ideas to make the world seem futuristic and he was just he called another one of his screenwriter buddies and was just like asking him if he had any ideas and the guy like was kind of I don't know I you know I don't know what his mindset was but he was like he was just kind of looking around he goes I've got it's weird I've got I've got a seashells on my toilet as a decoration and then that's what he did with it to you know work in the movie I don't my mother-in-law has seashells in her bathroom too but, like, I really could have done without that whole seashells as a fecal chopstick explanation for it. Like, I wish he just would have said something like... I always thought it was something dumb, like, you just... They were, like, controls for a bidet or something. That's what I always thought. Oh, oh yeah. Like, I, yeah, I kind of... I kind of, I didn't think it would be what they said it was. I'm with you on that. I, I just want... I, I'm surprised... Because you're a very uh, hands-on kind of guy. I figured... You know, for the sake of the podcast, you would have given this a, a try, given this a shot. Take take down some chalupas. Yeah. Wait a few hours. Yeah. Take it to the shells. Order like get like fifteen bucks worth of Taco Bell, which you know, with in, in the current economic climate, that doesn't go as that used to be like a metric ton of food. Like now, that's probably like four items. So you smoke you smoke down like four fucking Taco Bell items, and you go to like. Crate and Barrel or Sur La Tabla or some shit, and you, you find a way to track down like three fucking copper seashells or something, and then you're like, "How how did this work?" And then it's just, or you go, you go <laughs> or you go like full dedication, and you like go to an ocean, you go scuba diving, and you're like, and you put it up against your asshole, and you're like, "This one's perfect." You just collect your seashells. Then on your way home, you stop at Taco Bell. You make a whole like weekend of it. And you know what's funny? Like, if you had done this and filmed it to a certain extent, and we posted it, 
that's probably what makes the podcast go viral and we become successful. <laughs> what doing a jackass thing with putting like fucking lot like like actual seashells in my ass? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Hi, I'm Mike Pateo, and welcome to Just Like the Movies. <laughs> bowling, bowling. Did the did the new one of those just come out? Jackass Forever. It was really good. Was it? Really good. It's so funny, man. I was gonna I was gonna lead. I almost led this. Um, podcast before we get started talking about Demolition Man, which we really haven't even started doing yet for 20 minutes in, but because I, I fucking saw this article that Robert Pattinson was leaving the Batman franchise, and then I had to double check it. It was for fucking April Fool's Day. It was for, it was like <sighs> some website put out a thing that he was leaving and they were bringing Ben Affleck back. Isn't that the worst? And I just want April Fool's shit. Well, I thought it'd be a good conversation because like, man, DC is just fucking up between that and the and getting rid of Henry Cavill as Superman, like I, like, but well, the Henry Cavill thing's real, and they want to do like a Superman from an alternate dimension that just happens to be a different race, which is fine, I guess. But I, I would, I think you could do both things. I don't think you need to get rid of Henry Cavill as Superman because we all know I how loved you, Hen- yeah, how you yeah. feel about the Man of Steel film. Yeah, um, so you know, uh. Yeah, I mean, every, everything, you know, in terms of, you know, Demolition Man, I know we've kind of gotten on tangents here and we're going to be pretty loosey-goosey on this podcast because, you know, Demolition Man's a pretty straightforward and linear movie uh, by design. Um, and again, like I said, you know, once I watched it from that perspective, <coughs> I enjoyed it a lot more. I didn't take it very seriously. And I'd like to think they didn't, they weren't taking themselves all that seriously when they made it. But um, no, like all the, all, all the stuff that goes with it. And then like the, another thing that like, I had to laugh at was like they had like I was curious if they were gonna like not show Sly Dong um, <laughs> but then like right before the unfreezing process which did Austin Powers just like was it was that based on Demolition Man I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was I mean even I, I didn't I think we stumbled across that when we covered Austin Powers but I mean if you look at the scene and like how it's yeah. shot and like the computer voice the computer voice was Adrian Barbeau by the way which I thought was oh well, kind of, kind of fascinating, but yeah, there's, there's, there's next to no way that that Austin Powers did not use that as an inspiration. So that's part of the cultural impact of Demolition Man was Austin Powers cribbing off of it for its uh, unfreezing process sequences. Yeah, and and you see, like, for whatever reason, Spartan has you know full bush and uh he's got a dong on him so and st- i wonder if stallone like that was part of the thing where he's like you got make sure make sure i got a i got a big dick right? <laughs> i like i didn't catch that but i wasn't looking for it i'm not saying that like not saying anything about what you were doing but like i definitely wasn't i didn't catch that i i i was looking for it but not looking for it so you were you know high as balls and you were looking for male uh, full frontal nudity in devilish I, w- I wanted to see if they were going to show it and they did well, but behind, behind uh, inches of ice. Yeah, you, yeah, you never there. see like the, you never see the really unappetizing nudity. Like you never see the grundle. Like they never no, show. That. No, no, no. I don't think anyone ha- does. Anyone have a good grundle? Probably not. <laughs> or as they call it in Jackass, the gooch. The gooch or the taint. The taint. All acceptable yes. terms. Um, now the <clears throat> speaking of the taint. Um, okay, that's a segue. No, I just, you know, I had nothing on that. But, um, so, in watching this, obviously, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big Sandy Bullock fan. Um, wasn't, a, wasn't a big fan of the pencil eyebrows in this movie. I think it was a little too much. 
changed her look a little bit. Not as not as not as much. I didn't like her as much in this as I did in Speed. I'll just put it out that way. Mm-hmm. Or Miss Congeniality. <laughs> but uh, I I I just found this to be a fun movie, and I like the fact that there wasn't like twists and turns. It was pretty straightforward, and you could watch it and like not fully pay attention sometimes, and, and still get it. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Wesley Snipes, I thought was really good and really entertaining, and. I couldn't help but keep thinking about Dennis Rodman as I was watching his character because I think during that time Rodman had the blonde bleached hair uh, when he had left uh, uh, Detroit for San uh, San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So uh, that reminded me of that, and um, I think this that was a couple. It was a couple years after uh, White Men Can't Jump, I believe that was ninety one. Yeah, I, I think I think so. Um, which is another movie maybe we should visit one of these days, but because <laughs> I'm a big Woody Harrelson guy, but. And no, that's not the one I'm going to put out there in uh, two weeks. But uh, I forgot Dennis Leary was in this, too. Uh, that's, and, another, that's another thing that puts this firmly in the 90s, because, I mean, that was Leary's heyday. That was like, I remember back when I was that age, I had a couple, my, my older brother had a couple Dennis Leary comedy albums, and I thought he was hilarious. And, I mean, that was like kind of before, I mean, that was definitely before people knew that he was just lifting material from people. Yeah, right. The, yeah, Bill Hicks. Uh, I think Bill Hicks died in 93, so I don't know if you got to see this gem. Then uh, Louis um, C.K., too. He died in 93? No, he lifted material from him also. C.K. lifted from Bill Hicks? No, no. No, Dennis Leary lifted from C.K. Oh, I didn't even know C.K. was around back then. He was. He was, you know, working the circuit. He didn't have the level of, like, notor- like they. I think they were both in the Boston area at the same time. Maybe I don't know, but that guy can go fuck himself though. Yeah, the whole pub, yeah, the whole like masturbation thing. I'm gonna put my dick on your shoulder thing, but also he's just he seems like he's so full of himself. Like fuck him. Um, but De- Dennis Leary, I always liked too. I was always a fan of his. Um, and th- it's funny, this is the same year like The Sandlot came out, and he played like the stepfather in that. So he he started getting into a bit of a run with the movies here. Uh, I remember him being. I think the first time I ever saw Dennis Leary was he—he he was like the MTV guy telling you not to do crack. <laughs> yeah, like that. yeah, I remember yeah. that. And he was always a fast talker, and he would have a cigarette in his hand, the leather jacket, and that's basically who he plays in this movie. Very, you know, going on these like diatribes, very Doctor Cox before Doctor Cox, <laughs> uh, sort of thing. Well, they rewrote um, the part for him. Like the Edgar Friendly part wasn't supposed oh. to be anything like that, and then somehow, like I, I didn't really stumble across this when I was reading up, but somehow he got involved, he got put in for the, and they just completely changed the part because there was so much that got changed with this movie as it went. I mean, the shoot, but the shoot ran long. Sylvester Stallone like got injured, like he does on every other movie he does. Uh, <laughs> there was like a fire on a soundstage, all this stuff, and I like that. One point I wanted to mention was about when you said that the plot isn't. It's not a super labyrinthine plot or anything. It's like, so when Nigel Hawthorne shows up as Dr. Cocteau, like, they, they make no effort to hide the fact that that guy's clearly up to something. Yeah. Like, right. It's like, the, it's it's so obvious. And it's like, it's like they had to have not wanted this to be too cleverly hidden because it's like, when, even when he does that first phone call with uh, Bob Gunton's character, Chief George Earl, sporting his stylish Jada Pinkett haircut... And he's talking about how, uh, and he's like, and he gets off the call and he just goes, utmost confidence. And he says it, he sounds almost like a fucking bad guy in a Star Wars movie. Like, holding his little cup of tea (laughs) in his robe. Um, Apparently he, uh, 
he did this movie because he wanted he really wanted to be he was more of a theater actor I think and he really wanted to do the madness of King George which I think he got nominated for an Oscar for I don't think if he, I don't know if he won but he thought he had to do a movie to show that he had screen presence so he did this movie and then he like of course he didn't get along with either the either the the main villain or the or the lead and I'm just picturing it being just because he was just such a such a serious actor like all the good and the bad that comes with that like you know you know kind of like uh, your boy Gene you know doing community theater and just you know talking about how, how none of them have probably worked summer stock <laughs> <laughs> none of them have done twelfth night in the round <laughs> so, you, <laughs> so you, yeah people have to go back and listen to our Aladdin podcast for uh, good old Gene method actor um, extraordinaire um, no, yeah, that's a good point. I, I know, I remember Bob Gunton from uh, Shawshank. He plays mm. the warden, I believe, right? Yeah, I think this is the first time we've ever seen him with that, uh, like, old school, like, 90s uh, roll-on deodorant look. But, uh, <laughs> and just, he's just there to give give Stallone shit. That's, like, his whole character brief. <laughs> and, and you, you know, dude, like, a, like, a few other people pop up in here that, that are familiar. And, of course, you have... Um, uh, what's his name from uh, Pradak, uh, Roger Predactor from Ace Ventura? <laughs> Troy Evans, uh, I think his name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, uh, and then you know Jesse Ventura props up as a one of the oh, man guys. Yeah, uh, and at first I was like, is that him? And then you know I looked it up just to make sure because I you know I was high as all hell, <laughs> so I look it up and then I found this clip on Twitter. Of the filming of Demolition Man, and it's Stallone and Jesse Ventura, and it's like obviously because of just those two alone, uh, you know, in their mid forties or whatever at the time, um, just uh, chopping it up, uh, you know, back backstage in their little, uh, you know, uh, actor chairs, and Jesse Ventura gives Stallone a WCW hat, <laughs> and he's like, here, here you go, man. Here's your, you know, here's your WCW hat, and Stallone probably, you know, couldn't give two shits. <laughs> Um, but I had forgotten that Jesse Ventura left the the Fed for WCW for a while. I didn't even like, know that like, happened. I, yeah, because I, I I don't know. I wasn't really watching WCW back then. I don't think. Um, of, uh, and again, yeah, I wasn't either. I was still watching the Federation. Um, but you know, Dan Cortez playing the, the like the the piano man at Taco Bell, uh, <laughs> as we talked about before. Uh, Jack Black. Um, I didn't catch him. I'm just looking at the cast now. I didn't spot him in the movie. But he plays Wasteland Scrap Number Two, so that means he's with Dennis Leary's crew. Um, it's possible his part might have gotten cut because there are a lot of scenes and subplots that got cut from this movie to make it under two hours. And I, I did notice that when I was watching it this time around that it felt a little disjointed. Good. And one of the best examples that doesn't get too deep in the weeds is the fact that you know. Simon Phoenix has Cocteau get the six, like the five or six guys out of cryostasis. And then Stallone and Sandra Bullock beat the shit out of two of them. And then you don't see the other four again. They never show back up because that all got left on the editing room floor. So including a fight with Sylvester Stallone and Jesse Ventura that probably would have been pretty awesome. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, there, there's a bunch of people popping up in this thing, though, man. Like, it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, even uh, 
The Black Agent Johnson from Die Hard. Yeah, dude. The young Zachary Lamb, Grand L. Bush. Grand L. Bush, which is what Stallone was flashing earlier in the film. Indeed. It's the only way to fly, really. (laughs) I think that's about it for... for, Because I love spotting people who either became something after or just were around back then. Um, That's really all I can piece together here i mean it's they say david patrick kelly plays leon in this movie i didn't see him i, I was i didn't see him either i that's, yeah like i said that that was one of those things that might have been a lot more obvious if there was some original cut of demolition man we could see where it has all these because in the original like the they shot scenes where zachary lamb gets killed by simon phoenix and then um they had a whole subplot where uh sylvester sloan actually finds his daughter and she's part of the resistance and, oh. But they, they for, and I think they took that out for some reason. I don't know why. It was it had something to do with the fact that the I know the original script was a lot darker and more serious, which would have been watching this movie. I mean, there's some goofiness to it. There's some shit you gotta let slide. But I think it's a lot more fun than if this movie take took it like you brought it up, and I I 100 agree with you. If this movie was taking itself like completely seriously, it would have been. It wouldn't even been bad enough to be. It would just. It would have been bad enough to be forgotten. Like it wouldn't even been bad enough to be extraordinary. It just would have been like one of those shitty movies that came out and just kind of came and went, and then like no one remembered it. Yeah, I agree with you, dude. A hundred percent. I think it was. Now they probably didn't make it as sort of self-aware or tongue-in-cheek as we think they did because it's a early '90s movie and that just sort of that sort of filter gets cast upon those movies now like action movies especially like late 80s like as they went further and further on it was uh less so but you're 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 absolutely right like if they tried to go like we are this is very serious <laughs> like you're his stallone's career is over like that's it yeah i mean stop or my mom will shoot forget it not i mean that movie came out what like two or three years before this one came out Probably. And yeah that, would... yeah, that was one of the one of the reasons this movie like even though the movie wasn't really a critical it it got decent reviews, like mixed decent reviews, and it didn't it wasn't like a juggernaut of the box office by any means. Like it made money, but not a ton. But like compared to it was considered a success because of what Stallone's the trajectory Stallone's career was on at that point. Uh, the yeah. the the comparison I saw was that Last Action Hero came out the same summer, and had similar uh, box office returns, but it was considered a failure because of Schwarzenegger's past track record with other films. Well, and then Stallone had Cliffhanger come out also in '93, mm-hmm. and you know you know I like Cliffhanger. That movie did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even so much like it, it did so well that they even parodied it, parodied it in Ace Ventura Two at the beginning, yeah. with the raccoon. Um, but the, you know, who who doesn't forget the opening scene of you know Cliffhanger and like that, you know, what happens to that girl and stuff like that. But um, so Stallone, you know, he puts out a couple of movies, you know, in this year, kind of like how we were talking about Jim Carrey had you know three big ones in '94. Uh, a lot of actors sometimes have that one year where they're like, I'm working hard this year, and it's all going to work out. Or it's, but... it's just weird how the production schedules line up. Like, they, yeah. like the post-production's longer on one movie than another, so they come out within two months of each oh. other. Or to your point about how these types of actors, like Stallone, are always on the gas. <laughs> Maybe while he was on cycle, he's like, let me knock out this movie, too. I don't think Stallone uh, ever cycles off. 
I like I there's no way. <laughs> Copland. Oh, well Copland, that was a that was him trying to do like a kind of Robert De Niro thing and he was in that movie with him. So, he used a lot of seashells during the filming of Copland. <laughs> you know, because of the shit. I got it, John. I think we've already I think we've already <laughs> talked about poop entirely too much on this on, on this episode. So, you know, you we, like one of the things that's always fun to talk about is what this movie could have been. And we were talking about how serious it was. The first draft of it was optioned in like 1988, I think. And the idea was they were going to have Mickey Rourke be the lead. And he, nope. there was going to be like, he was going to end up getting back together with like his wife, who's a senior citizen at this point. Like that was going to be how the movie ended. And then all the, the this committee of writers that was involved and producers who who wanted writing credits and stuff it ended up turning into uh they actually pitched it again as a they wanted to get Steven Seagal and Van Damme in the same movie which 11 year old me would have completely lost my fucking mind over if they put those two guys in the same movie <laughs> like maybe i still would but not like i would have back then because i was oh. such a huge fan of both of those guys because i was watching those movies just when I shouldn't have been because like, I started watching those movies when I was like nine years old and uh, if you put yeah. them in the same movie that would have been crazy but neither one of them wanted to be the villain so that didn't work out and then uh, well, go ahead well when you say what this could have been do you mean a completely different trajectory in terms of um, you know tone or you're saying you know different actor um, you know, different end game, that sort of thing. Like, do, what do you think it was always intended to be? This sort of like, um, not take itself too seriously, futuristic no. sort of. No, not at all. Because I mean, like I said, the first draft was supposed to be taken super seriously and very yeah. dark. And you put Mickey, like, I don't know if Mickey Rourke has a like that guy. I'm not gonna say he's untalented, but I don't think he has a funny bone in his body. Like, I, I can't think of a movie where he was funny. Like that's a, yeah yeah like he yeah. like his whole thing is he's he used to be like really handsome then he became a boxer and he had all his plastic surgery now he just looks super menacing and that yeah. again that all started with uh, just you know being juiced out of his fucking mind when he did a double team with Van Damme and Dennis Rodman but we're getting to, this is not directly related to the subject matter at hand but I just I thought that was interesting that they they were trying to do a vehicle with because though both those guys were huge back then. Like Van yeah. Damme and Steve Gall trying to get them in the same movie, but then again, then you then you have this kind of improve what what but I think it's safe to say you and I both think is an improved direction where the movies, like the the main writer said that it wasn't trying to get into all the political correctness stuff. It was just trying to evolve the script from where it was, like from where it all started. Which, um, what I thought was interesting was they you know you hear Demolition Man. It's like does that have anything to do with the song? And it does, because the original writer was like driving around in his car, and he had a broken boombox that played that like played Demolition Man by the Police all the time. I, I was gonna say, and you're gonna be pissed. Speed by Billy Idol is better than Demolition Man by the Police. <laughs> I'm just gonna respect your opinion and just move on because I'm like I'm not I'm not finishing a thought here. I'm just like re relaying all this information because it, it's just on this track where. I mean, we, we always talk about the complicated production histories of these movies. And this was just, I think this was like, 
kind of the development process where they were trying to figure out they, at one point they wanted Jackie Chan to be the villain but he didn't want to be a bad guy either once Stallone was involved and uh, Wesley Snipes turned down the part several times and they actually went on the set of Rising Sun to convince him to do the movie which I'm glad they did because like you I was pretty fond of his performance I don't know it was just this kind of it was this unhinged kind of villain that did terrible things but the terrible things were kind of whitewashed a lot in the movie like how mm-hmm. he you know kills a bunch of people and then blows them up in a building to make it look like Stallone did it and then which is funny because that's one of those things it's like they never, they didn't even check huh but <laughs> right yeah shouldn't forensics be able to tell you that those people died before an explosion yeah or but... if it's like if they're saying there's bodies everywhere then there's like enough stuff left it's not like it's not like a, it's not like the whole uh, speed line in a mess like that. They don't even count body parts. They're saying there's bodies everywhere, but I mean that's just. And then also in a movie like this, where you <clears throat> you have to have the hero, and like if it happened the way that they thought it did, then it's hard to root for Stallone's character because you're like, well, he's responsible for all these deaths. He's, he really is no better than this guy. So they had to sort of do that reveal. Where it was like, oh, it turned out he didn't cost those lives or something. So I think that was just one of those things that they they probably realized like later on. It might even been a, an edit later. Who, who the hell knows? Where they were just like, you know what? Change that. Because this guy has to be pure in a sense of, you know, a good cop or whatever. Yeah, and they, and they but they have to have the contrivance so that they both get frozen and they're in this, yeah. they're in this pussy whipped Brady Bunch version of the future. That's thirty. To right. quote Wesley Snipes, great line by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they're in the they're they're kind of like men out of time, where, you know, they're like unfrozen cavemen, cop and robber, in this weird, trying to be perfect, megalopolis or whatever. And it's yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like they sort of have this respect for each other because it's like we came from the same time. An unspoken respect, I would say. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, I was, I was mostly just, you know, because that was another thing that came across in the writing process was cryogenics was like this big fad at the time. Like, all these celebrities were having their bodies frozen. So the writer wanted to work that in somehow. And then it turned into this cops and robbers thing in the future. So it just goes to show you that the, you know, what I call the writing history convoluted. I mean, it took a while to get all that out. That's I don't even think that's all of it, but that's all these. And then this other writer got involved, Fred Decker. Like he was the one who put the whole prologue in to show the contrast (laughs) between Los Angeles in 1996, which and it was no coincidence that the, the Los Angeles riots had happened so close to that movie's release date and then they have they kind of present this version of los angeles that's almost like a riot like a riot scape almost yeah yeah and i don't know how i felt about the whole they seem to have just glossed over how they do this or whatever uh, or i just didn't care enough about it but you know how they revealed the re-engineering of the the brains of these guys to make them less violent and in in their cryo status um i thought that was interesting because it obviously didn't take for phoenix um and uh, i believe they said they made <laughs> they made stallone's character like 
learn knitting yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it was like, like kind of, it was kind of a funny bit where he's watching surveillance footage and he looks in the box they sent him home with and there's a needle and thread in there and he starts like looping it over his elbow and then he he makes uh Sandra Bullock a sweater. But the the thing you missed with uh Simon Phoenix was that because he was like he was they trained him differently like like he his synaptic programming that the, those programs that they put for guys that are in cryostasis was different because like Stallone has the line about it like he he goes he goes I'm Betsy I'm bet what do you say I'm I'm Betsy fucking Ross and si and Phoenix says three he's like he knows what he like he knows how to use vehicles weapons he knows the locations of everything and he's three times stronger than when he went in and that was all by design because I mean they had some goofy scenes where they showed how strong he was and he like everybody he fought like died because he was just beating them all to death like yeah yeah which, he was faster, stronger, everything. Which I don't know if this is true or not, but I saw this in the in the trivia for it that Wesley Snipes supposed like if you kind of watch his fight choreography, it's kind of herky jerky, and they said he had to do that because his punches and kicks were so fast they were blurry on camera. Oh, which I mean, it's a nice nice uh, tall tale to tell, at least for his reputation. Well, because if you. I mean, because, well, Leslie Snipes, like, we talked about this when we covered uh, Major League. Atrocious athlete, but great <laughs> fighter. Like, accomplished martial artist. I just wouldn't want him to, like, being able to throw a punch or a kick is really different than, you know, being able to throw a baseball or dribble sure. a basketball. Sure. He, he, he was good in some spots of White Man Can Jump. We can address that if we end up doing that movie. Uh, but I, I agree. I agree with what not when he was like dribbling up by his armpit. He wasn't like that was like I don't know much about no, but <laughs> basketball. He, but he, he he did some smooth layups. Yeah. That's, well, that's, he um yeah. they said Dennis Leary said that when he was on set he did all his own stunts, but then the director would just bring in a stunt team and just use those shots because I don't know if he maybe he didn't look good doing the stunts or whatever. But they he said that he insisted on doing all his own stunts and he did all of them. But then they just didn't use most of them in the movie, which is pretty funny. He's got to be that tough Boston guy, you know. Is that where he's from? Living up. I believe he's from the Boston or Massachusetts, anyway. Yeah, it, it, he lives not. I believe he he lives not too far from us. People have seen him out and about. Um, so it would have been funny if on that giant like rap sheet they had for Simon Phoenix, they like part of it was tax evasion. That would have been fucking hilarious. <laughs> Almost, it would have been almost as weird as seeing Scott Peterson on the name for a fucking cryo prisoner list. Did you catch that when you were I did stoned not. out of your eyeballs when they were doing the the parole hearing or whatever? They showed they showed the fucking this list of the people that were supposed to be, and one of them was Peterson Scott. It was just one of those spelled the same. Yep, wow. it's one of those weird coincidences, man. You would have think that guy would have watched that movie and been like, ah, I probably shouldn't go through with it. <laughs> That's what's gonna stop him from doing it. Uh, uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. Dennis Leary. I was talking about Wesley Snipes. No, I know. I'm uh, just catching up and letting you know uh, what that. I'm confirming the. Uh, I thought you were talking about Wesley Snipes was from Boston. Wesley Snipes. I, I if I had to guess, Southern California. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but my uh, bad. I was dude, confused. I thought you said Wesley Snipes was from Boston. I was like. I, I don't I don't know, but that just didn't make sense. Wesley Snipes was born in Orlando, Florida. All right then. Um, that dude, Dennis Leary is sixty four. Crazy. I didn't watch Rescue Me sense. either. I heard Rescue was really good. I just couldn't get into it. 
It is good. Yeah, my brother got me into it, and once I started watching, after three or four episodes, I got hooked on it. And it had a pretty good run. It wasn't one of those shows where it gets bad, like Dexter, <laughs> um, which ended up redeeming itself, but uh, Rescue Me was pretty solid. Uh, do you um, remember the scene where Wesley Snipes is, like, babbling in Spanish during the yeah. during his uh, parole hearing? <clears throat> I thought it was funny. That was, like, another thing that Wesley Snipes did on set that they kind of worked into the movie. Like, when they were doing rehearsals, he would just say his lines in, Spa- in like, Spanglish. And they thought it was funny, so he just did it in the movie. Because <laughs> the only other one I can think of that tops that is in Blade. If we ever get around to doing that, I'll, I'll probably mention this again. But Blade, he has this line at the end of Blade where he said, before he kills the, uh, the main bad guy, he says, there's always some motherfucker trying to ice skate uphill. That wasn't in the script. It was somebody heard him use that in a conversation. And they decided to put it in the movie. <laughs> I bet that happens a lot. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's always fun like to talk that. about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like those little inserts and finding out about them. Um, I had, there's one part of the movie that really made me laugh a lot. And I, it's, you know, when the uh, airbag, so to speak, goes off and it's all this foam mm-hmm. in the car. And Stallone goes, This car turned into a cannoli. <laughs> I was Dude, laughing so hard. One of the things watching this movie is like, you re- like all the terrible ways they present to die. In this movie, like at the beginning, where he's in the in the cryo tank and it's filling up with that cold water, uh, Stallone said that was like one of the worst, most terrifying days he's ever worked on a film. And so I was thinking about like if for some reason, like I was thinking about that, and then I was thinking about that scene where it has the expanding foam that fills the car. But it's like, what if your mouth and like what if that gets in your nostrils? You're dead. Like yeah, that stuff's gonna fill your airway and expand, and like nobody's gonna be able to get to it. Get, yeah, it's, it, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. I, I would even think for the cryo scene, they would have done something where he was behind a, a separate section that was filling with water. Like, he was in there for getting filled up with water? Yeah. yeah and then That's they just, insane. Yeah, and then they just dropped that little pellet in, and it was flash frozen. Ima- imagine, like you, you re- like, you turn on the news, because back in 93, like I said, no internet. You turn on the news, and they're like, Actor Rocky actor Sylvester Stallone died filming his upcoming movie Demolition Man. He drowned to death filming a scene naked where he was supposed to be frozen. And it's just like, it could have happened. If, Who knows? Dude, if nobody drowned making Waterworld, like nobody was going to drown in this movie. Like, I'm sure someone drowned making Waterworld. They just covered it up. <laughs> Cut, the real Costner died. Um, his career died when he made Waterworld. His career drowned. Um, no, but uh, did you hear? This is gonna bother you. They're making a sequel to Demolition Man. Yeah, it, no, just no. I don't. It's it's the whole thing was it was. A granted, I'm not gonna say it was a masterfully developed arc or anything, but Spartan's this super cop and he's tracking Simon Phoenix and he's he's been trying to. And they couldn't even. Agree, the funny thing is the writing was so muddled on this they couldn't even really agree on. They said there was a 12 state manhunt, but then that he took this part of the city and like made it his own personal kingdom. So it was like which it was it you didn't know where to find him or he carved out this part of the city and people were just afraid to go in there because he 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 was like ruling over it like a Somali warlord. Like I don't. Maybe I should have been high when I was watching this. 
for <laughs> I mean Stallone's I mean I get what he's doing he's doing a lot of like sequels and stuff to a lot of his old stuff but um, he's getting too old yeah, he's I like mean, 76 but, I mean but my point yeah you're right these two but like my point is it's like that was the arc like those two guys like he got he brought him in yeah lost the life he knew because of it then they by by circumstance they both go after each other again and then he kills him like what's the next thing he's just gonna be unfrozen caveman cop in the like so this is what they this is the pitch apparently and I don't know if him and Bullock are still together in this story or whatever, but it says in April 2020, screenwriter Daniel Waters revealed that there was a scene filmed with Spartan reuniting with his daughter, who was played by Elizabeth Ruscio. Uh, he explained it's a tender scene. It stops the movie dead. So Silver, Joel Silver said, cut it, just cut it. <laughs> and so we cut the scene out. But that wasn't going to be the end of the story of John Spartan's daughter. Waters said he and Silver discussed the possibility of a sequel to Demolition Man, and he also revealed that Silver had someone very specific in mind to play Spartan's offspring. Um, Melissa uh, McCarthy, Water- naturally. What? No, you're going to hate this. Waters said that Silver told him Meryl Streep was the obvious choice to play the daughter. That doesn't even make... What? Aren't they the same age? <laughs> Waters doesn't make any fucking he- sense. He doubted she would do it, and to date doesn't think anyone has ever approached her about it. Meryl Streep but played apparently, Margaret Thatcher. Do you think she's going to be in a fucking Demolition Man sequel? <laughs> Naked on a cold day. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh then, wait, that this, this, I mean, this went on. You know, they're saying, you know, um, that it's possible that they are in development now of a sequel for Demolition Man. It's not, it's not just talk anymore. Um, so that doesn't make we'll, any. We'll that doesn't make one goddamn bit of sense to me. In in May 2020, Sylvester Stallone dropped news that uh, it's on the way. We're working on it right now with Warner Brothers. Uh, it's looking fantastic, so that should come out, and it's going to happen. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's gonna be Demolition Woman. Yeah, it's it's, it's on the way with that Brown Super Bowl championship. Right on the way. <laughs> the poor Brown. Jeez. The Sean Watson is going to solve all their problems. <laughs> He's got to solve his own problems first. But oh no, well, as, he, you know, they could they didn't indict him, so carbs are the enemy. Yeah, now he's just going to cut some checks, and that's going to be the end of that whole thing. That's how that usually goes, yeah. I guess. Um, so, in terms of uh, this movie, where do you stack this thing up against? Uh, other Stallones or, or some Arnold classics like where do you wait, is this is this up there for you mm, I mean it's it's like it's a I think you know Stallone said about this movie that he thought it was a good action movie that was ahead of its time and I agree with that assessment I don't agree with Dennis Leary's assessment that it was a giant piece of shit that he said it was you know because yeah because two if I see was such a fucking masterpiece <laughs> Because the ref is essential cinematic canon from the mid '90s. I do like the ref. I like but it, but I wouldn't call it a great movie. No, I wouldn't either. Um, no, but I, I like the violence. There's a uh, in this movie. It's old school. Um, the shootouts are cool. They're loud. Um, they're aggressive, and they're shot very explosive. Um, and then you know, kicking his frozen head off at the end. <laughs> 
And what, what what was the one word? He said one word. It was like kick or block or something. He said something. No, he said, I think he said heads up. Was it heads up? Yeah, yeah it probably was. It was heads yeah. up. And then, like, that, you know, that's a callback to that line that Phoenix had at the beginning of the movie where he said, he's, where did I put those hostages? I swear I'd lose my head if it wasn't attached. So that's oh. kind of cool. I I liked this movie a lot more when I was a kid, I think, than I did rewatching it this time. I think this time it was one of the things that got on my nerves a little bit was because you you have a one-on-one feud and these two guys are like chasing each other around like Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner and they're shooting at each other and they're not hitting anything like Simon Phoenix is like the worst shot this side of like a stormtrooper or a bond henchman like and then he makes up for it at the end by shooting like six guys all at the same time but they don't show it on camera but, like, all the times he's shooting at Stallone, it just misses him. And then there's, like, that one scene where Stallone picks up the table and, like, the bullets are hitting the table, but it's only covering, like, a third of his body. Like, <sighs> like watching yeah. that stuff. It, it, I, I think this is this is an interesting one for me to pick because I, I do like this movie, but I don't think I enjoyed the rewatch as much as you did because I saw it so much when I was younger. And now... Like rewatching it, I was like, man, it's like, God, they're gonna have another one of these shootouts where nobody fucking hits anything. Like, it's just, but like when you're 11, when you're 11 or 12 or 13 or whatever, that's like the coolest stuff to watch. It's like, oh, it's just, it's like, but then, you know, then they, like I said, with the, with the henchmen ended up ending up on the editing room floor to keep the movie a little more, it's probably just so they could grind out like seven show times a day instead of six or something. Or, six instead of five or whatever the case might be keeping it under two hours but yeah um, yeah probably well, and well and as you not for nothing go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say joel joel silver you know mega producer of the time i mean he was the guy who came in and like streamlined all the all the people who had input like he, he paid all these writers money so they would just go away and like you you mentioned the the anecdote that i wasn't familiar with where he just a lot of these scenes, I guess, were cut at his request. I didn't know explicitly that there was a reunion scene with his daughter that they cut because it stopped the movie dead, end quote. I mean, that that that's the proof right there that the producers had no interest in really expanding upon characters or giving them arcs um, or anything like that. They wanted a straight, streamlined, sit your ass down for a, a buck fifty or whatever this is, and... Uh, and enjoy it enjoy the ride and that's fine you know i think that's cool with me um hey, hey real quick where where does sandra bullock stack up with you in turn like would you say she's like a 0.7 on the fran dresher scale like a seven out of ten on the fran dresher scale <laughs> oh <I don't, laughs> um that's tough because this is the, the thing about sandra bullock is i don't like think she's like the hottest out there but I could see myself like really liking being around her. And I know that's, you know, not the cool thing to say for a guy rating, you know, how his attractiveness to a celebrity, but I just always liked her in that way. So she gets a bump up because of that. So I toss her a 7.5 on the Drescher scale. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I ask is how do you think Lori Petty would have been in this role? Terrible. I can't stand Lori Petty. She was uh, tank. She was in the tank role. girl. Yeah, she was in the role for two days and she got fired. Good. And then they brought Sandra Bullock in as kind of a last minute replacement, which is though I feel bad because Sandra Bullock, like they didn't use her at all. Like they, I don't think they realized how good she could be to a movie because her part stunk. I, I'm pretty sure she got nominated for a Razzie. She for did. This. 
She did. I did make a note of that. And then she does Speed, and she's amazing. The same year. Well, part part of it was the way they portrayed how people act I, and how they talk in the future. Like it's so yeah. bizarre, dude. Can you imagine, like, if people actually talk like that? In in like, think about the 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 reality that this movie portrays in twenty thirty two, and where we're actually going to be ten years from now. It's not going to be in. On one hand, it is kind of interesting to me that they had the writers came up with this overly mannered, overly touchy feely way of talking, which some people do talk like that. There are some people like you know, you know, and I'm only saying this because we smell our own who will use like 50 words or five or five will do, and they they want to talk about their feelings and stuff like that. But then I don't think they could have predicted that you know, people say shit now like, oh, it's a vibe. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? It's a vibe. Like, that was in a national campaign Dude. for an alcoholic beverage. It's like, this alcoholic beverage, I'm not even going to name it, is a vibe. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Dude, <laughs> I can't begin to tell you how much I'm glad you're bringing that up because I call it Twitterisms, and it's like people don't have a unique identity anymore because they take these like phrasings that mean nothing literally mean nothing and they all use them together as like these mad libs like if whatever you're talking about fucking pringles potato chips are a vibe you know and they they do these things and it's like they do this stuff and they're just like these little pods out there on social media land and I, i'm like I, cause when I tweet, cause I use Twitter pretty often. I, I tweet like I talk, you know, and that's how I always thought you're just supposed to truncate it down to a certain amount of characters to get your fucking point across. I always thought it'd be funny to see these people, like how you're tweeting right now. Go talk, go to your parents' house and talk to them like that, <laughs> cause these people aren't 14. We're talking about people in their 30s doing this <laughs> shit, and it's, and I, you know, it sounds like old man yelling at cloud or whatever, but, I mean, it's. It's like what you're right. What the fuck is that? Yeah, it, it's it, like you know, people just using these weird, truncated words and abbreviations, and and like communicating online through emojis and gifs, which I do sometimes. But like, oh, gifs are awesome for <laughs> old movie references and but stuff. Like, I don't know. I it just got me because I was watching this movie. It's like like some of the stuff that it got right about where things were going even back then. Like I was talking about just some of the weird coincidences, like voice commands and things like that. But the thing they could have predicted was, you know, there's that one scene where the guy's he's like at the chat terminal and he's like the he needs the chat terminal to validate him so he could go about because yeah. he feels down on himself. And that's just what people use fucking Reddit for. They just want to go out there and post these sad bastard stories about their lives so people will feel sorry for them. And like, yes. that's yes. how they get their val. Like, that was the thing they, that this movie didn't predict is that that validation would have come from just other like-minded people, not like a robot. Yeah. Oh, man. I know. It's crazy. And, you know, like if it, it you know, if uh, a teenager was doing that, you're like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, we had our things too. But when you see grown ass people doing this shit, you're like, it's like Sebastian Maniscalco. Aren't you embarrassed? <laughs> you know. But anyway, yeah. Um, it, I don't know. This movie just kind of got me thinking because when you make a movie that's set in the future, if 
you know, if you're lucky or if just that's how your life works out, you might be alive to see how it stacks up to, <laughs> to the future that's portrayed in a movie. And you can see all the stuff. It's like, it, it's more interesting to see what they got right than what they got wrong because they're going to get stuff wrong. It's like nobody's going to... You imagine if like a movie came out and it, it accurately predicted what life was gonna be like in a certain year, and you were alive during that year, and you were like, "What the fuck?" I know, I know, I know. No, you're not. You're right, and they never get it right, and that's good. And it's funny because we always catch up to those movies, and it's never as futuristic as they had thought, like Back to the Future or Terminator, and you know. Well, I wonder uh, if Ted, term, I wonder if Ted, Terminator's supposed to be in a few years, right? Twenty twenty something. 2029, I think. No, yeah, no, Terminator almost, would have already happened. Like, Judgment Day already happened. and Oh, you're talking oh, well, about, like, the, the, the full-blown... The future. Yeah, like... Yeah. Okay. Um, And then, like, all, you know, all these movies, you know, we, we're already starting to, like, pass their time. Uh, Like, the original Blade Runner. Oh, Bla yeah, Blade Runner came and went long, like, years ago. Back to the Future was 2015. Yeah. No hoverboards. Yeah. Uh, no hoverboards, um, a lot of things. Uh, no, no Jaws nineteen. Um, no, put uh, hy hydrate a pizza. Um, so a lot of that stuff. The Cubs did um, win a World Series, though. They did, yeah. Um, I'm wondering <clears throat> if in ten years it's going to be societally acceptable to walk around in solid colored daishikis while women still wear dresses with like plunging necklines. That's what's up. That's, that's what's up, man. <laughs> that's, that's another thing, putting this thing firmly in the 90s. It's like, yeah, the dudes are walking around in PJs, but got to have cleavage. Got to have the titties out. <laughs> Which is funny. Isn't the whole, yes. the whole thing in this movie is like people don't have sex, right? Yeah, they, they have legislated out sex because of all the, all the, the evolution of, of VD, basically, was proving to be more and more lethal. Well, and the whole belief of what causes violence in the world is, you know, sex and money. Mm. Um, so if they try, if they, tr if they try to regulate all that, they probably think they're going to get rid of all the violence, and it's just not how things work. Yeah, what and those types of, you know, and you're right, you know, not to get too real life on it, but in terms of like the stuff that they try to uh, mitigate and restrict and stuff via via these laws. Um, like down in Texas and stuff, or you know, or Florida, and they they just try to they're just trying to like police people, and it's just like, and you look at these politicians and half these people, you know, can't say the alphabet, and it's just like, it's just it's just wild. It's just, it's just like leave people the fuck alone, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, man. funny funny movie, good movie, a lot of good action. Um, not my favorite Stallone movie by any stretch. Um, but I, like I said, I'm going to admit it was better. It's better than Cliffhanger because I allowed myself to just enjoy it. I didn't try to tear it apart. I didn't try to like make fun of it. I, I let the movie come to me, and and Dan Cortez put me over. Yeah, um, that's good, man. So. I'm I'm really glad that it was not. I thought you were going to absolutely hate this movie, and because I was pretty. I did too. I did too. Well, that's a pleasant surprise then, because I was a little critical of it rewatching it. Like I said, the cause kind of the the thing about the whole cat and mouse thing where. It's like a live-action Tom and Jerry almost, but um, you know, and Stallone too in this movie, like he, like people, there was a whole thing where people thought Stallone couldn't be funny, and I know, like I thought, like people hate this movie, but fucking Tango and Cash, Stallone's hilarious in that movie. 
<laughs> like, like if we ever do that movie, you might have to get high again and watch it. <laughs> and like, but, um, you know, in this movie, I really, I really enjoyed the Snipes performance too. Like, just his whole like manic, but somewhat weirdly kind of palatable supervillain. Because they, like, like I said, they've kind of glossed over some of the really horrific shit he did. But, um... Did, it, so we have our movie list to choose, because I forgot, so now I've got to go through there and pick one. Yeah, that's what you're, um, you're going to do while I'm talking. <laughs> but listen, uh-huh. next, to Tango and, uh-huh. next to Tango and Cash, you wrote, you probably hate this movie, might be interesting. <laughs> I did write that. <laughs> now, now, th- now, I need you to step back for a second. Mm-hmm. Because you know me pretty well. You, you even know some of the things I like better than I do because sometimes I forget. Um, what actor do I really love? Kurt Russell. So what the fuck are we talking about here? I don't know. I, I remember my parents had Tango and Cash on tape. And I remember not knowing what it was. But I remember watching it at an earlier age than I would have most movies like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great fucking uh, you're 10 years old, you shouldn't be watching movie. It's Tango <laughs> right. and Cash. Kurt, yeah. They're both funny as hell in that movie. Like, people dog that movie out, but it's, it's like, it's kind of like this movie. Like, is this movie going to be on a list of, like, great films? No. It, when you, but when you stack, especially when you stack it up against, like, Stallone's movies, because that guy is fucking, that, his filmography is all over the place in terms of quality. Like, there are, there are some bona fide classic films in there, and then there's some that it's like, why did he do this? What was he thinking? Yeah. Like, what was uh, like, uh, like stopper of my Bob will shoot? Like, what was going through his oh, head at that time? Man, that movie's rough. <laughs> that movie's rough, and you know, like, there's clear scenes in that movie which you don't think of as a as an action movie in a sense, where he like jumps out of the front seat of an eighteen wheeler truck that's not even moving, and he like punches a guy. And it's a stunt man, and you're like, it's still on. What the fuck are you doing, dude? You almost got, you almost drowned in a movie you're gonna make in two years. Why you you can't step off of a truck? You don't want to hurt yourself for stopping my mom will shoot. I don't remember that set piece. I just remembered how ridiculous it was that like Estelle Getty was in it. She still like pretended to be old, like she's on the Golden Girls, but she wasn't. Yeah. She was only like in her forties, I think. But she, right? Like that. no way, no way. No, when she did the Golden Girls, right? Wasn't she the youngest person in that cast? And then she like wore makeup well, and stuff to look older. She was like sixty. Oh, yeah. All right, I had she that was wrong, she was of the younger ones. Um, she might have been younger than some of the daughters. You're right, and they did play her up to be older. But by the time she did stop my mom, will shoot. She was almost seventy, I think. Um, but yeah, she's like, I cleaned your gun for you. Like, oh, that movie is. Holy I remember shit. seeing that in the theater, but I don't remember anything else about it. I like uh, we were I, kids watching that shit. But anyway, back to the subject at hand because this isn't a half-assed Golden Girls podcast. We're gonna. It isn't. <laughs> it, I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna have like fucking uh, flashbacks when my one ex-girlfriend like forced me to watch that. You know how. Oh. You know how it is. When Did you, you use B. Arthur as material though? <laughs> outstanding. I don't, oh, deep, deep cuts. I, deep I don't cuts. want to steal anybody's bit and say uh, the Rue McClanahan's the obvious choice because she was the, the whore of the group. But 
No, I mean, like, when you look at this movie compared to... Uh, you asked me before, and I didn't really answer the question. I went off some tan like some tangents about the film itself or some, of the, some other stuff. But um, I would say this is, like, a solid second-tier Stallone movie. Like, it's... It's definitely like on the first tier it's like the rocky films obviously just any of them i mean except maybe rocky five like rocky five was kind of, i mean even in the rocky universe they try to pretend that didn't happen so i think people get a pass for that yeah it was almost like rocky balboa which i really really like rocky balboa um was like sort of like this was supposed to be rocky five or something like that yeah yeah, I'd, I'd agree. It's a lot more, it's a lot more like upbeat that he's broke and he's brain damaged and he pours all his attention into this kid and not his son and that kid turns yeah. on him. Like, yeah, it's they, they have a fucking street fight at the end. But um, yeah, I would put this. Pro- I would say it's like a second tier Stallone movie. I would say this and Cliffhanger are on the same tier. I just think I think putting this past Cliffhanger is nuts. But um, that's just me because this movie had you know it had some issues that we've talked about mostly me but like you've talked about too but i mean you get you can't look past the the whole you know the mondo set pieces they had like blowing up a real factory at the beginning in kentucky for that scene where he blows it where, where the you know he takes him out of the building and blows up the it's like an old factory or something and then him jumping out of the helicopter and then all the you know, like one of the things that I thought was that was really fascinating that I couldn't put a finger on was the fact that the the director for this was a pretty much an amateur. Like he was a yeah, right. Yeah, he was a Canadian guy. He had done like a bunch of music videos, I think, and uh, he got brought I into he got brought into this because he was supposed to do Richie Rich, I think, but he couldn't figure out how to make that come in on budget. So then Joel Silver suggested him for this one. And, like, one of the things that they, uh, one of the effects they tried to create was, you know, they create this antiseptic future. And he said his vision of it was to make it look like the inside of a Neiman Marcus department store. And they did that by shooting with slower film, a slower film stock, and by using different filters to give it this kind of dreamy, like, super clean quality. And then that especially pops when you contrast it with the the part of the film that was supposedly shot in 1996 Los Angeles that uh, really provides that contrast like one of the other things too that I I meant to mention but it's not you know exactly related to this was that you know in the in this continuity the whole San Angeles thing that's not what's going on in the rest of the world that's just what's going on in that one city I don't know if that's really something you caught when you were watching it or not that's not what like so that that's not what the whole country was like that was just what that basically what Southern California was like. I I assumed that it was a transitional thing that every sort of major uh, metropolis evolved into. No, because that was his his evil plan. He wanted to scale it up across the whole country. Right. Yeah, I felt... I just, for some reason, because they didn't really show a contrast, as far as I recall, um, I just assumed that was sort of the landscape, uh, even though that was his you know modus operandi um but i'm looking up the director right now marco brambilla brambilla uh, he's italian so and i'm, I'm like, gonna go brambilla i think yeah so so i was like no i feel bad for that guy he didn't really he didn't do anything after this i mean he worked but i mean he didn't do any movies and i google one of the first things that comes up is uh 
Courtney Love and filmmaker Marco Brambilla have been friends for a decade. I'm like, X that out. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Rest in peace, Kurt Cobain. You look, that made you lose interest, huh? Yeah. Courtney Love is like the most vile, poisonous, opportunistic, you know what, in the biz. So, anyway. Um,. <laughs> I don't, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I'm sure there's other things we can get into and, like, you know, funny scenes or, like, really high, you know, great action scenes. I thought one scene that seemed a little awkward is, like, it almost reminded me a lot of how Jesse Ventura's character lands in White Lightning Black Thunder. How he lands on his feet when he's supposed to be, like, sideways, you know? When Stallone lands on top of the building yeah. when he's coming down. I'm like... That just looks like that shouldn't be happening. Well, because well, he was bungee jumping out of a helicopter, and if he had actually done that, physics would have dictated that the rebound would have taken him up into the chopper blades, and just it would have just rained meat salad down on the roof of that building, and then that would have been the fucking end of Demolition Man, like a minute just in. So HGH raining upon the entire city. But he, um, they used they used something called a decelerator to keep that from happening so that's why he kind of comes to like kind of a stop and then he's a few feet above the ground and then he cuts the cable and falls and then you know he's shooting a couple guys and you know doing doing action action cop stuff which looks cool on screen i'll tell you what and i i'm gonna actually beat you to the punch this time because you always ask me like well what are you like what's one of your favorite lines or whatever i'll tell you a line that's become a, a it's actually, this is actually a proper way to end a phone call when talking to a couple people in my family. If you if you choose. If is when somebody could say be well and you just go, be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason that always brings me that, that brings me joy joy feelings inside. And I also just on sheer <laughs> delivery, because like I said, this was peak Dennis Leary, is the scene where um He's breaking up the raid outside of the fancy Taco Bell. And then after it's all over, Dennis Leary just goes, what a fucking hero. <laughs> he just goes, let's go. <laughs> but that was sheer delivery. No, the like the whole be well, be fucked exchange is like one of my favorites just because of that, the simplicity. Do you have a do you have a line or a scene that jumps out that you want to hallmark um, for particular individual excellence? Aside from seeing Dan Cortez as Billy Joel, um, I'll have to say the the cannoli line for whatever reason. That car turned into a cannoli. I thought that was, I don't know. It's so stupid, but for whatever reason, that analogy made me laugh because then I started looking at the car like it was a cannoli. And of course, I was high out of my gourd. And then you were like, man, uh, a cannoli would go down smooth right now. I would love a cannoli right or, now. Or failing yeah. that, the Ben and Jerry's cannoli ice cream flavor, which tastes nothing like cannoli at all. Leave the gun, take the cannoli, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Oh, boy, man. Um, what else we got, Mike? I don't know, man. I mean, we, we covered all the things that were going on at the beginning of the movie. We covered all the alternate kind of things that could have been. Um, I, Cameos. Yeah, we talked about, we even touched on the whole Taco Bell, Burger King, Pizza Hut disparity with the whole Restaurant Wars storyline, which I thought was pretty funny um the the underusement of a talented 7.5 sandy sandy bullock <laughs> the um, uh, yeah the uh what else you've got the 
there was like a toy line. I remember having the toys for this. I thought the toys were pretty cool. They, they were based on like the He-Man molds, right? Or something like that? Yeah, I think you're right. I remember though they had like one of my big gripes back when I was really, really into action figures was um I'm not anymore for no but you know, just but like I know some of our listeners are, so you know that I wish I wish I was still in your boat, but I'm just I'm just not. But like I remember I used to collect a lot of G.I. Joe's and you'd put the guns in their hands, and if you did it too many times, that thumb the joint would get real loose and then the thumbs would come off and then you couldn't uh, but the demolition man figures had like these square pegs that fit the weapon handles perfectly so that you didn't have that problem so like you know the john spartan figure had like his his beretta 92 but it didn't it didn't look like one but he had like a silver handgun and then he had the and then simon phoenix i remember came with uh he had that laser that they used to cut people out of the ice <laughs> so yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, dude, you're absolutely right. It's called Blast Attack Phoenix. <laughs> Does he have the armor that's made out of old tires too? Like that was the way to show that you had he been d- underground as you you come back up and you've got the armor made out of old tires. He does, he does, and the figures came with a like submit the per- proof of purchase and you can get a Demolition Man movie poster. Oh, I, I'm surprised I didn't cash that in because I had I had a, quite a few of those figures. I think I had one of the cars too. Because the cars were these, like, GM le- lent the production tens of millions of dollars of these these concept cars that were supposed to be, I think they were called ultralights. That's what the cop cars were. And they were, it's amazing that 30 years ago they were they had a concept car that got 100 miles of the gallon and we don't have a car that could do that yet. Like, not even, <laughs> like, we have, like, there's tests, there's electric cars, but we don't have a car that, like, a gas-powered car that can get insane gas mileage like that. Well, right, and there's hybrids right, right. that kind of get there, but uh, I'm digressing anyway. Yeah, but no, you, yeah, you're pretty spot on with these figures, mm-hmm. and they're made by Mattel, which was you know the the big name in the game back then, uh, alongside Kenner probably. <laughs> um, I don't remember the Demolition Man figures. I remember I had Rambo figures, but I think those figures were based on the Rambo like short-lived animated series. Yeah, those were um, those were awesome toys too. So. They were, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think my mom, we, I remember going to, it's funny, you remember like flashes of, you know, your youth sometimes. I think I remember going to like Service Merchandise. I don't know if they had that out by you, but it was a store by us called on Long Island called Service Merchandise. And they had a bunch of like, um, it was like a closeout overstock. store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. They, they had like uh, overstock of certain toys and stuff. And I remember like grabbing some uh, Rambo figures. I don't remember when like Demolition Man came out that I saw those figures, but they're cool. I'm checking them out now, and it reminds me of like how cool figures were back in the day. Because all the accessories they came with that you just rifled off, and the cool like types of um, you know adjacent names to accompany the the characters, and of course your you know collect your proof of purchase and submit for <laughs> you know blank, and that was a good way to get all, the kids to collect all five and all that shit. Um, so very cool, very cool, and um, they're they're you know. I don't know that there's a ton of pop culture references, but now that you know we talked about it with the ice with Austin Powers, and then we talked about you know the guy losing his head, and then Austin Powers makes the losing a head jokes. Maybe Austin Powers wouldn't bit off a couple of things from yeah, Demolition. Maybe, maybe Mike Myers was like he was as well as those things like he was working on the Austin Powers script, and then he just he like was taking a break, and like Demolition Man was on some random channel, and he was like just watching it, like snacking on something, and then he was like drawn into it because it's one of those movies that it's like it's super easy to watch, like. It's not like you even have to, you know, like if like if you if if 
if you hadn't seen it or you'd only seen it once or twice and like Demolition Man it was uh, it was like 40 minutes into it and you're just like oh what the hell's going on here like they'll it's one of those movies it's like not gonna overly tax you to try to like figure out what's going on or, or anything like that yeah yeah right 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 exactly and that's what I liked about it in the rewatch I didn't you know strap in and like worry about like the it's the exact contrast of the godfather you know where there's all these metaphors and and you know historical references and things bought a bit from history and uh big character arcs a lot of major actor performances all that stuff this movie's just like these two fucks got frozen <laughs> these these two fucks got unfrozen and then they went at it and one of them kicked the other one's head off <laughs> Credits. <laughs> Credits. You fuck. But the like one of the things about this movie too is the the fact that when you're looking at the you know, it's like how did society change so fast? You know, it took thirty like he he was frozen in nineteen ninety six. For thirty years. Thirty six years. But if you but if you think about how fast technology has evolved and people's attitudes about certain issues and like the way people have kind of become overly politicized about certain things that didn't take long there's just certain issues that are that are part of the public discourse now that 10 years ago nobody gave a shit about and now it's so it's not that like it's one of those things it's not that out of the realm of possibility that if there was a huge natural disaster somewhere and some guy came along with some kind of solution and his idea to terraform society to his his own utopian ideals. There's no like, especially with the way things evolve now at the speed of technology. There's no telling that something like that couldn't happen. I don't. Yeah, I'm not saying it's likely, but I'm just saying it's like it's like this movie. It's I mean, let's 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 be straight about what this movie is. It's it's a really really fun popcorn movie, and I don't mean that as a dig. It's it's like just a fun movie. It's not trying no. to you know be too up its own ass it's not trying to be like fucking power of the dog uh <laughs> or the piano the, the piano i think i already mentioned i think i mentioned the power of the dog the other like what like a couple episodes ago because that movie just irked me so much and it got nominated yep. for like every oscar it could possibly be at nominated for um yes it was a real slap in the face <laughs> we're not going to talk about that at all huh we're just gonna we're just gonna ignore that whole thing. I'm, I was on Chris Rock's side the whole time. Will Smith is like, dude, I don't know what's going on. I thought that. it was I thought it was staged for so long until they kept bringing it up and kept dissect and kept saying all this negative stuff was gonna happen to Will Smith. I'm like, oh, I guess maybe it wasn't. But I, I mean, dude, he hit him fucking hard. The first week, I thought it was completely staged because the the oh. Oscars are becoming like more and more irrelevant as time goes on. But yeah, dude, no, Will Smith married a chick who didn't love him, but it's driving him fucking nuts. Like, she still, she just wishes Tupac was still alive. That's her whole thing. Yeah, it's just like, everything about that. Like, he laughed at the joke at first, and then she, he obviously saw her reaction, so he overreacted, and he belts Chris Rock in the face, and Chris Rock takes it, doesn't even rub his face, and then goes on with the show. Like, I'm 100% on Chris Rock's side in the whole Can thing. Can you even imagine if the shoe was on the other foot and, like, Will Smith, like, banged, like, a chick that was 30 years younger than him that was, like, living in their house and then, like, forced Jada to come on, like, a show and talk about it? Like, talk about, like, well, I cheated on you for these reasons. And, like, she just keeps fucking dragging him. And it's just, it's just one of these things where it's, like, this guy is a pop culture icon and this is how he's getting treated. 
Fucking yeah. A. She's like, it's all a dystopian. She's like, never forget you turned down the Matrix for Wild Wild West. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> all right, Mike. Uh, I think we ran the. We we talked about Demolition Man so much that we talked about a recent event in. in it's like one of those things. I don't even know how you can't not talk about it because it was so crazy, and it's just. But like I said, yeah. the first week or so, I thought it was fucking staged, and then they just kept bringing it. Like they were talking about taking his Oscar away and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh man, like it wasn't. And then he ended up just getting yeah. banned from the whole thing for like a decade. But yeah, yeah. What are your closing? Do you have any closing thoughts on Demolition Man? Yeah, um, <laughs> to sort of piggyback on what you were saying is that it's a popcorn movie, and sometimes that's all movies need to be. You know, it's a good time. You sort of escape your reality for a little while and um, just watch a fun romp and it is entertaining you don't need movies to be always making some sort of statement or something I know this movie you know alludes to uh, you know things that happen from governments and societies but in reality it's you know uh, throw your fists take your gun out and blast people away Stallone movie and from the early 90s and that's cool with me. So uh, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I liked it a lot more than when I saw it some odd uh, 20 years ago. But uh, fun. You know, fun. you know so. what your experience with this movie reminds me of because I had the exact same thing happen with Get Shorty. Oh, Get Shorty was okay. a movie that the first time I because I read the book, and apparently when I was in high school, my reading comprehension just wasn't that great. Because when I read the book, like I took it pretty seriously, and then when I saw the movie, it's like funny and like tongue-in-cheek i'm like what the what the hell is this because i didn't get the whole elmore leonard thing i'd only read like one or two elmore leonard books and then when i saw it a couple years later and i realized what it was trying to do like i liked the movie a lot more it sounded like i I had a very similar experience and you know part of the reason i picked this movie like i said is because even though it wasn't the intention of it it's just it's really interesting to me how it's there's there's all these social and political issues now that are relevant that this movie kind of touched on but like i said that's not a really it's it's a pretty common thing in dystopian works of fiction talking about you know tracking people's like speech and actions and trying to police their behavior and trying to conform them to a certain like to a certain ideal like that's not That's not revolutionary by any means, but I think this is one of the movies that... I, I think a, a critic actually said that it, it's actually one of the most feasible portrayals of the future that they've seen. Because they didn't get too crazy with the technology or anything. Like, they didn't have flying cars, they didn't have teleportation. They didn't even really have, like, laser guns. They had the one thing that was based off an old, like, German... Uh, old German prototype weapon, but that just in the shape, not the function. But, uh... No, I, I I thought it was fun to do. I like I just didn't know what how you transition out of The Godfather because that movie's just so pro. Like I don't want to use the word profound, but it's like it's heavy and it's well regarded and like I think if somebody told me they didn't like The Godfather, I'd be like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like I don't like who are you trying, trying to impress to be, with that fucking to take? Punk rock with movie opinions. What are you trying to be? You trying to be Armin White except no one like no one's reading you. Like no, like I'm the only asshole listening to you, and that's about to change like really quickly. But um, <laughs> no, it's uh, not a ton of material for this one. But uh, I, I feel like we talked about 
all the I know I know one of our uh, one of our uh, listeners said that their favorite line was when they showed the news clip of him carrying the kid away and the, the reporters asking him questions about all the all the damage he caused for such a small ransom and she goes fuck you lady <laughs> yeah that's right that's right also I very like 90s I mean this yeah the, you like you made a great point about that though how about how this movie is just so 90s like you've got Dan Cortez in there you got <laughs> that's what I mean you see you know Jesse Ventura and it's just like I'm like this I'm so happy I'm so happy that this is happening right now it's like and it probably didn't mean to be so self-referential but it just it just was like and what when I what I mean by was it just was being it was being 1993 <laughs> and I loved it I, it made me want to like look up fucking rock and jock basketball and rock and jock softball games on mtv which are on youtube because mtv is like fucking rob deerdick's fucking version of tosh.0 now for 24 hours that's a stude i'm a 58 year old guy pretending i'm still a teenage skater (laughs) fucking loser anyway (laughs) um sorry to all the rob deerdick apologists out there who are listening i guess but all right I gotta pick a movie. You do, man. So I'm, I'm like I said, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad this turned out to be a pleasant surprise. I thought this might have been like the the point counterpoint edition well, of yeah, just like the movies. And, and I'm not gonna, you know, a big part of why we're doing this is just, you know, because you and I wanted to hang out more, and, and this is the way we got to do it because we don't live close. And um, but it's been enjoyable, and like for that reason, for a lot of these movies, even if I don't necessarily love a movie. You know, I look for things to enjoy in it, and we do poke fun at them sometimes. And so, you know, I, I, I'd be hard pressed to like, unless we pick a movie that I know we're both gonna shit on or something. I'm not gonna like sit here and like take a shit on a movie that you love. Um, and I happen to be entertained by Demolition Man, so it's cool. Awesome, awesome. Um, I, but see, I'm, I'm bopping. I, I'm not gonna pick Jaws yet. I'm gonna wait till like Fourth of July for that. <laughs> Okay. I try to like pair these, and I know we're gonna punt Top Gun till closer to Top Gun Two comes out. By the way, did you see the second trailer for Top Gun? I did not. I did not. Holy shit! This movie looks fucking amazing. Well, when Tom Cruise is involved, it's always a spectacle. Like even his movies that aren't that great are always like there's always something bombastic about them that make them worth seeing. His action movies are big. Now I'm not picking a Tom Cruise movie. I'm deciding between two. One of one movies would be the most recent movie we ever did. I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I'm deciding we're going to revisit Tarantino and we're going to go back to the beginning. And we're going to do Reservoir Dogs. All right, then. All right, then. <laughs> At least you didn't pick The Hateful Eight. No. No, it should be fun. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Michael Madsen, when he was still handsome, it should be a good time. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Reservoir Dogs. I, I don't want to obviously give too much away because we're gonna obviously do it. But where does it stack up for you on your on your Tarantino flicks? Is it a, is it just below Pulp? Um, I would say so. Yeah. All right. I, cool. I, yeah, I, I think I'm, I think we're on the same page, so to speak. Um, all right, uh, Mike. Anything else you want to toss out to our lovely listeners before we get the hell out of here? Nah, take us home, man. All right. Thank you to everybody. Again, like we said before, for, for listening to the show. And if you don't mind sharing us with your friends, do that. Uh, one quick thing, too. If you are still listening now, 
Um, you're obviously a diehard front to back. So uh, if there is a rating system on the podcast app you listen to, whether that's Apple or Spotify, toss us you know five star rating. We'd appreciate that. That helps pop up in searches. And there's like a lot of movie podcasts, so uh, it, it helps us out a lot. But more important than not, we just hope everyone's doing well out there. Hopefully, you're enjoying uh, the turn of spring. I know the allergies have been kicking me in the face, but it won't stop us from having a good time here, just like the movie. So until next time when we talk about Reservoir Dogs and revisit the wacky, brilliant genius that is Quentin Tarantino, from me and Mike, be kind, rewind, relax, and we'll see you around. You've got ball balls coming down here, cops. <laughs>